This is Self Work, and I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford. At Self Work, we'll discuss psychological and emotional issues common in today's world and what to do about them. I'm Dr. Margaret, and Self Work is a podcast dedicated to you taking just a few minutes today for your own self work. Hi, and welcome or welcome back to Self Work. I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford. I'm a clinical psychologist out of Fayetteville, Arkansas, and I'm so glad you're here. I started self-work about four years ago now to extend the walls of my practice to several different kinds of groups, those who perhaps are already in therapy and very interested in psychological and emotional issues, those who've just been diagnosed with something and you're really looking for answers, or perhaps you're having a relationship problem you're finding kind of tough, but also to a third group, to those of you who might never darken the door of a therapist, or at least that's what you say, but you're just curious enough to listen to a podcast like Self-Work, and to a psychologist like me. Welcome to all of you, and actually any of you that are here. So, it's March, and it marks one year since I've been able to see my son because he's in L.A., or my Dallas family, or my Arkansas family, with a couple of exceptions. Call it an abundance of caution, but at my age, and with a booming heart condition, neither my older husband nor myself have wanted to take a chance. So my heart is full this week as both he and I received our first round of vaccine. Tears came to my eyes and I'm so grateful to the scientists and truck drivers and pilots or whomever was involved in getting it out to the public. Thank you for your dedication and work. We're going to talk about two things today. The as-if technique, which really can be used with many things, but we'll also focus a little bit on gratitude. A lot of people write about it, talk about it, say how important it is that it has the innate ability to bring happiness to you when you really feel it. But I recently listened to a podcast I like very much, the TED Radio Hour with Manoush Zomorodi. She was interviewing a guy I'd never heard of, but that doesn't mean anything. His name is A.J. Jacobs, and I'll have the link to that episode in the show notes. He's self-described as a kind of unhappy or moody guy in general, but he set out to thank everyone who'd been a part of creating his cup of coffee in the morning, literally, from the coffee bean growers to the people that make the little holder that keeps your fingers from getting burned to the barista, everyone he could possibly think of. What happened? He found it was much harder to be unhappy. So today in this episode, sponsored once again by BetterHelp, I thought I'd climb on board and talk about the process AJ used to get to that happiness, and we'll use gratitude as the subject, not in a Hallmark card kind of way, but this episode is as much about this technique called the as-if technique as it is gratitude. So we'll kill two birds with one stone, as they say. Our listener email for today comes from someone who's describing a difficult relationship with their parent, in this case an enmeshed one, meaning the boundaries of the relationship either didn't exist, or perhaps the parent was highly intrusive, demanding of time and attention, all the while saying how special her child was. So the adult child ends feeling special and trapped all at once. However, the listener's question is about grieving after the death of that parent. It doesn't sound as if it was her mother who died, so she may be asking because she's watching this happen to someone else. So my gratitude to all of you for being here. Sit back, relax, and let's investigate some of the ins and outs of gratitude and more broadly, the as-if technique. Gratitude. 
During COVID, I know a mom who asked her children to draw a picture of who or what they were grateful for. In her own mind, she visualized friends feeling healthy, food, even mom and dad, perhaps, or grandparents. So she was amused when her oldest child showed her his drawing. It was the Amazon logo. I'm grateful for Amazon, he smiled. They bring stuff really quick, and they show good movies. (laughs) Not exactly the esoteric example she'd imagined, but quite real, probably for us all, unless you're a small business owner, not so grateful there. But often we are grateful for the pragmatic things that make our lives more simple. Of course, shop your local business, (laughs) but on with the episode. You know, gratitude conversations can seem pretty hokey to some. Like somehow if you walk around in gratitude, you're a little better than everyone else, more spiritual, more tied into what's really important. However, there's ample research out there that if you demonstrate and live in gratitude, there are many things that will go better in your life. You fend off depression more easily, you sleep better, and you feel happier as a general rule. That's what A.J. Jacobs said on a recent TED Radio Hour that I listened to while finally getting to go out for a walk. By the way, I had terrible shin splints the next couple of days, but it was better weather, and I was so glad to be out of the Arctic blast that so many of us experienced, and it felt good to move. So I was listening about gratitude while also being grateful, kind of a double positive whammy. So who is A.J. Jacobs? It turns out he's an editor-at-large with Esquire magazine and has written a couple of books. His website will be in the show notes. His newest book is called Thanks a Thousand, where he takes a funny but serious stab also at literally investigating what might make him happy and his gratitude one of those things. So he went around literally thanking everyone he could possibly think of for his morning cup of java. And that's what the book is about. So how exactly do you practice gratitude? Well, first off, you don't have to be a monk or a nun or even particularly religious to do this. What you have to do is put some energy into being thankful. And in the middle of a pandemic with job loss, financial turmoil, grieving the deaths of those that have died during this last year, gratitude can seem almost stupid or false. How are you supposed to feel something that truly doesn't seem if it has a place in your life? Well, That's when the whole as-if technique comes to mind. And we're going to talk more about this very effective therapeutic technique after you hear an offer from BetterHelp, one that might be just what you need. BetterHelp has now been a sponsor of Self-Work for a few months, and I've been hearing how pleased you are with their services. I couldn't be more excited about that, as by now you know I'm a huge believer myself in the power of therapy. What is BetterHelp? It's an online therapy service that has earned the number one ranking for the quality of their service to their consumers. When you contact them, you are offered several different licensed professional therapists to choose from, all that have been vetted by BetterHelp. You can have sessions via video, text, or phone. And I found, because of course I checked it out before recommending it to you, that each therapist was very available, literally a text away and made some of the same therapeutic suggestions to me that I'd offer myself as a therapist. Here's an excerpt from a listener who wrote in, I'm a 23-year-old living in Brazil. I'm only writing this message in order to express my gratitude towards you and your podcast. Having anxiety disorder, I always felt like I needed therapy, but I was too anxious to start it. With self-work, not only I've learned some 
valuable insights about dealing with my condition, but also the basics of how therapy sessions work, which allowed me to finally get some courage to start it. With the coronavirus pandemic, I'd also been concerned about attending personal sessions, but then I learned about BetterHelp in your podcast, and it sounded just perfect for what I needed. I've been getting online counseling from BetterHelp for six weeks now, and I feel like it's been helping me a lot. That's just so wonderful to hear. And now, BetterHelp has a special offer for you. 10% off the first month of sessions if you use this link. Trybetterhelp.com slash selfwork. That's trybetterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash selfwork. I'm never more honored than hearing someone sought therapy after listening to self-work. And if self-work is helping you, maybe better help is your next step. I had to smile when I heard AJ start talking about the as-if method, that if you want to be something or feel something or become something, first you mimic what you think people who are that thing actually do. The as-if technique is one that therapists use. Certainly, I've used it a lot of the time. Like if you wanted to be more fit, instead of roaming around the parking lot for the closest spot to park to the grocery store, you'd first have to think, what would someone do who wants to be more fit? And then make that choice instead of the one where you search around for the nearest spot. You act as if you're wanting to be more fit, and you actually park as far away from the entrance to the grocery store as possible. Or if you wanted to feel more attractive, you change from the t-shirt you were wearing to sleep in and put on a fresh one, or maybe even a real shirt. You may think this sounds overly simplistic, but in actuality, it's a way to ease yourself into change, and change that you want to make, but don't feel particularly motivated to make. Yet it's how you can begin to slowly shift your choices into a direction you desire. So let's get back to AJ and that cup of coffee. He scoured the world for the people that helped to make his coffee. And he was doing research for his book, so he kind of went to extremes. He gave an example of calling some delivery person, either delivered to the store or on the dock, I can't quite remember. She laughed and said no one had ever thanked her before, and she was kind of shocked. So he went to South America and thanked the coffee bean growers. He made a point of writing letters, sending emails, making telephone calls, to literally hundreds of people, it turned out, that were a small part or a large part of getting that coffee to his hometown, to the coffee shop, wherever. But he made another point about it that I found fascinating to hear. Again, now we're going to talk back. Sorry, we're sort of going back and forth to the as-if technique. What AJ figured out wasn't that being happy turned into the decision to show gratitude. Remember, he described himself as kind of a grumpy guy. What he experienced was that expressing gratitude led to him feeling happier. I'll say that again. Being or feeling happy didn't lead to his expressions of gratitude. The actual expressions of gratitude led him to feeling happier. That's interesting, isn't it? That's the as-if method at work. He made the choice to act as if he was someone who expressed gratitude regularly, and he did it, and that's what made him happier. I'll give you a similar recent example from my own life. I mentioned in the intro that I have a heart condition, and so I've certainly been wearing a mask to protect myself against COVID, and I want to protect others. I've been hearing from so many that wear a mask that they feel angry at those that don't. 
and perhaps the ones that don't feel angry at those that do. I don't want to go into that whole debate. But the purpose of telling you this is that I decided, instead of becoming afraid or angry, that I'd thank the people who were wearing one. Like we as a culture often now thank those who've served in the military. I will tell you that as I was walking by people and walked up to them again six feet apart and said, thank you for wearing a mask, they were shocked. Now, I don't do this all the time, but I especially do when I find I'm getting more afraid. I'll make a point to express gratitude to others. I am acting as if I'm not afraid. That very action decreases my anxiety. I'm focusing on actions of others that I appreciate, not my internal world of fear. Hopefully you get that. It's like if you want to act as if you are not anxious or afraid, then you do something that someone who's afraid wouldn't do. And literally waving at someone in the parking lot and say, thank you for wearing a mask, actually makes you less afraid. It's well understood in the research that what you focus on expands in your consciousness. That's one of the reasons why the as-if method works, because it changes your focus. It leads you in the direction you want to go. Now, what about if you struggle with depression or anxiety? What if you wake up in the morning filled with dread about living out the day, or you can't seem to get out of being worried about something awful happening? Just like my small example, you can come up with tangible things to do. What would a person who was grateful do, or who was not depressed, or who was not anxious? I've said before, if you wait for motivation to do something, you're putting the cart before the horse. Even if you don't feel like it, do it anyway. You might defend doing nothing by saying, well, if I don't say it right then, that won't be good, or I hate the way I feel right now, what do you mean acting as if would help? It's not that simple. No, it's not that simple. And I'm not trying to make it simple. I'm inferring that even when you're depressed or anxious, you have more control than you think. You're probably actually imagining that the only thing that would help would be far out of your reach. It's too big of a thing. And so you use that as a reason or an excuse for doing nothing. Again, think of the as if. What if I act as if I wasn't as depressed? I'd brush my teeth. I'd tell my son I love him. I'd email that high school friend of mine who's been a friend for years, but we've kind of grown apart, and say that I'm going through a hard time, but I appreciate their friendship. Something. Something that helps you move through your depression or anxiety. But all of that has to do with you as an individual. What about your friendships or even more so your partnerships, your spouses? Let's say I want to be more grateful in my relationship with my husband. I thank him for stuff, not lavishly, like making a big deal out of small things, but naturally, like thanking him for picking up the kind of milk I like to drink. A simple thank you is great, or I appreciate it that, or I don't thank you enough for what you do around here. Hopefully you get my drift. Actually, what they say about gratitude is it leads to a positive, self-renewing feedback loop. So that's what's important about gratitude. But again, I think that feedback loop exists for other things as well. Again, I will say, I acted as if I weren't anxious or fearful. And I began looking for people who were wearing a mask that I could say, thank you for wearing a mask. It was something I could do right then and there. You know, I've worked with many couples who never see the value of gratitude and rarely, if ever, express it verbally or through their actions. In fact, it actually can anger them when I suggest the idea. 
And two, they may be entrenched in the fight of who's working the hardest. And since they don't get thanked, they sure as hell aren't going to thank their partner. They're really, really stuck. So when I ask, how do you show each other gratitude? All I get are blank stares. There's really no telling the changes that that very small expression can make in your relationship. Now you may say, I don't even know how to show my gratitude. I'm going to include some links in the show notes about lots of ideas about that. But again, think small, write a note or an email, make someone some food, tip as well as you can afford. Notice that someone lets you in a busy lane and give them a wave. Notice, see, recognize the small acts of kindness others do for you and return those. Mental illness or not, you can still be grateful for the little things. And if you show it in small ways, then who knows what can emerge. And interestingly, the as-if method can work for anything you aspire to be. More secure, more focused, more kind, more loving. All you do is think of, or maybe even ask some friends to help you think of, what people who have that quality actually do and begin doing those things in small ways. It can be really amazing. The listener email today is from a woman who's asking a question about how to grieve the death of a parent when you were enmeshed with them, but actually you don't even know it or recognize the enmeshment. I would like to know how a person that is in an enmeshed relationship with a parent yet does not acknowledge it or realize it, how they handle the death of that parent how differently it is for people that have better relationships with their parents. As this recording is fairly brief, it's a little hard to tell more of the facts, but it sounded to me as if she was talking about someone else, not herself, who was enmeshed, and that someone had never recognized the enmeshment for what it was. Now, what is enmeshment? I thought I had done a podcast on it, but what I have done is one on lack of boundaries, But I have written a blog post about it, which actually is the top blog post on my website, and I'll include that link. I'm going to go to a Psych Central article and talk about many of its features. Realize that the whole family can be enmeshed, or a parent can be enmeshed with one or more of their children, often just one. So I'll go through these quickly. So here are some signs and symptoms of enmeshment that Sharon Martin on Psych Central cites. There's a lack of emotional and physical boundaries. You don't think what's best for you or what you want. It's always about pleasing or taking care of others. You feel responsible for other people's happiness and well-being. These are signs that you grew up in an enmeshed family. You're guilty or ashamed if you want less contact with anyone, really. Or that kind of guilt or shame will come if you make a choice that's good for you, but maybe not good for a parent or whomever you're enmeshed with. Your parent's self-worth seems to hinge on your success or accomplishments. Your parent wants to know everything about your life. They center their lives around yours. They don't encourage you to follow your dreams or maybe one parent and may impose their ideas about what you should be doing. They overshare personal experiences and feelings in a way that creates unrealistic expectation, dependence, and confused roles. You feel like you have to meet your parents' expectation and even give up your own goals because they don't approve. You try to avoid conflict and you don't know how to say no. You don't have a strong sense of who you are. 
and you may just absorb other people's feelings like you need to fix their problems. I thought that was a great list. So it sounds like the listener is saying this dynamic wasn't recognized, and now the parent has died. I will say to you that I had a very enmeshed relationship for many years with my own mother, and when she sort of disappeared on me because she had her own version of a emotional breakdown and really became not herself anymore. I remember the feelings that I had. I certainly went through a period of time that I felt kind of lost as if I'd lost my direction, which had always been to support her. She wasn't dead, but it was as if she were. I was also, for a while there, fiercely protective of her And any hint at calling the relationship unhealthy would cause me to get angry. I gradually learned that I had anger as well and that I had to work through it. You know, this listener's question to me is, what can I expect this someone to go through? That's a little hard to answer because, of course, I don't know that person. But again, there may be a sense of abandonment or loss. There could be some anger that finally comes out. Much later, there could be a sense of relief or no longer feeling trapped. There can also be sadness that the relationship wasn't as healthy as you thought. But you can feel, certainly, if you have not investigated the enmeshment, it is as if you've sort of lost the meaning or the purpose of your life, at least for a while. And I will say that I would certainly encourage the person to go into therapy because their grieving process is going to be very complicated. You know, enmeshment can look so healthy because it looks like, quote-unquote, we're just so close, but there's a price to pay for that closeness. And sometimes I will say that the last person you can hear that from, that you were too close to a parent, is from a friend or a family member. Often it is through the objectivity of a therapist that that kind of information can be absorbed. So I hope that's helpful. Thank you all so much for being here and leaving reviews on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. I got this review on Apple Podcasts. I'm a licensed clinical social worker in California, and I think this podcast is great. I enjoy Dr. Rutherford's soothing voice, as well as the clarity with which she discusses challenges within and benefits of the therapeutic relationship. She uses language that is easy to understand. I use that because I like to talk that way. So this podcast is accessible to the general public, not just clinicians. There are so many myths about therapy. This podcast draws back the curtain to demystify and destigmatize the therapeutic process. That was my whole goal. (laughs) So you could get to know a therapist up close and personal. Again, self-work isn't therapy. And I'm always honored that someone writes me and says, I got into therapy because of listening to self-work. And thank you to 187 of you who have taken the time to write an Amazon review or just give the book Perfectly Hidden Depression a rating. This book is a passion for me, as I know there are people out there who are depressed, they have trauma in their backgrounds that they're not aware of the damage that it has done, and they're doing their best to live the perfect-looking life that they think they should. This book is meant for you. And so I hope that you'll get it in some form or the other, an audiobook, an ebook, or the actual paperback. But thanks for those ratings. As I say many times, y'all are my best marketing team. 
You can reach me in a lot of different ways. My email is askdrmargaret at drmargaretrutherford.com. My website is drmargaretrutherford.com. And you can subscribe there and you'll get a weekly newsletter that actually will include a little note from me letting you know what's going on, some of the special things I've been doing, but mostly what the podcast is for that week and what the blog post is, give you a little introduction. It's an easy way to keep up with what I'm doing and what I'm working on. You can also join me over at Instagram. I have quite a lot of fun over there these days. And I'm checking out Clubhouse. I just gave a talk last week, and it was great. I really enjoyed the questions. So I may be over there for those of you who are interested in that kind of thing. And of course, I do have my Facebook closed group at facebook.com slash groups slash self-work. That's facebook.com slash groups slash self-work. That's all about laughing together, supporting one another through this very difficult time as well as just any old time. So you'd be welcome there. Again, my gratitude to those of you who've taken the time to listen. Please take very, very good care emotionally, physically, spiritually, mentally, in every way. I'm Dr. Margaret, and this has been Self Work.